Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And we recently covered the photographer Ouija on the show. And as you may recall, he allegedly got his nom de lens because he was nicknamed after the Ouija board. And of course, that got me thinking about how I have been planning for a long time, <laughs> a really long time to do a spirit board episode, but I could never figure out exactly how to tackle it. And that's because it's hard, because there is a lot of different information and ways you can go. Uh, so to level set, this is not going to be like a survey of ways people have used spirit boards around the world through history. Instead, what we're really talking about today is the rise of the Ouija board in North America. And that is different from just calling it a spirit board because Ouija is a trademarked name. And the story behind it, how it became a corporate thing, is kind of a morass. Listen, this is a Halloween episode, but you're going to get a lot of stuff you might not expect. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritualism, yes, but there is a lot more corporate intrigue and betrayal and family feuds and litigation and even some psychology. And there is so much that it is a two-parter, even having gone with a really limited scope of the U.S. and the Ouija board specifically. So for this first part, we're going to cover how talking boards started to show up in the press in North America, 
And then how that interested businessmen. And ultimately, how what seems like a surprise player kind of comes out of nowhere to essentially run the entire industry of spirit board production. And then in part two, we're going to continue with the commercial manufacture of Ouija boards. We're also going to touch on some examples of how it comes up in pop culture over the years, as well as in legal cases. Uh, that's where we get into probably more Halloweeny, certainly some gruesome stuff. And then we will wrap by talking about what is really happening psychologically when you play with a Ouija board and become convinced that something or someone other than you is controlling that planchette. So there have been various devices intended to help the living speak with the spirit realm, really just about as long as there's been recorded history. As Holly just alluded to, if this were a global history of spirit writing and communication, like that would be a whole different episode. During the rise of spiritualism in the United States specifically, there was an explosive growth in the number and the variety of these kinds of devices. They all had their pros and cons, but toward the end of the 19th century, one approach to solving trans-dimensional communication was embraced by believers and non-believers alike. It is still popular today, and that is, of course, spirit boards or Ouija boards, as they came to be known, and their commercial offerings. So just as a level set, in case you don't know what we're talking about, a Ouija board or a talking board or spirit board, you'll hear all of those phrases used, is a printed board. Sometimes it's painted, sometimes it's printed and then varnished. There are lots of different ways they can be made. It's usually rectangular or round with letters, numbers, and a few words printed on it. We're going to talk a little bit more about specifics in a bit. But then there is a planchette that sits on top of the board, and players gently rest their fingertips on the planchette to play. The players ask questions and then wait for answers to be spelled out by the planchette moving across the board to land on the various options. Where do these answers come from? Well, that is part of the fun, and it's been actually a matter of debate since the beginning. In spring of 1886, an Associated Press news article that was first published in the New York Tribune and then got picked up and appeared in papers all across the U.S. mentioned spiritualists using what was referred to as a talking board. This article ran under the title, The New Planchette. If you've ever played with a Ouija board, you know that the planchette is a little tool for the board. It's normally shaped like an inverted heart. There's a small pointer window that... It moves across the game board to select letters or words as a means of communication. But before the development of the Ouija planchette, the object that was usually called a planchette was shaped the same basic way, but it had a pencil attached to it vertically at one of the points where it was touching the surface. So that surface would be a piece of paper, not a board with printing on it. That older version of the planchette was invented in France in the 1850s as a divination tool, thus the name. It means little plank in French. As the planchette moved across the surface, that pencil on it produced writing on the piece of paper. That writing? Typically more like a scribble that you had to discern and interpret. It was really subject to different interpretations. Yes, and we're giving you all of this background on the planchette because it helps to understand the opening of that 1886 article Tracy just mentioned, which starts out, 
Planchette is simply nowhere, said a Western man at the Fifth Avenue Hotel, compared with the new scheme of communication being used in Ohio. I know of whole communities that are wild over the talking board, as some of them call it. I have never heard a name for it, but I have seen and heard some of the most remarkable things about its operations, things that seem to pass all human comprehension or explanation. The write-up goes on to share an interview with this unnamed Western man about the board and the planchette. The description's going to sound really familiar. He sketched out a board for the reporter, just about exactly what you would see if you bought a commercially available version today. According to this interviewee, it was about 18 by 20 inches. The board included the alphabet, numerals 0 to 9, the yes and no options, And then according to this account, the words good eve and good night, which sound like the same thing to me. So, Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To use this, there needed to be, quote, a little table three or four inches high with four legs. According to the interviewee, quote, anyone can make the whole apparatus in 15 minutes with a jackknife and a marking brush. You can see this would be a lot faster and maybe easier than trying to decipher scribbles that had been created with the original style of planchette. Yeah, and to be clear, that little table four inches high he's talking about is what would become the Ouija planchette. Uh, The four inches high seems very tall to me, and like it might careen around in kind of a tippy way, but... Listen, I wasn't there. Uh, This whole write-up, though, is pretty thorough in terms of just describing how the board was used. It kind of reads almost like a game manual. The Western man describes taking the board in your lap across from another person and each person then grasping what he called the little table. Today, as we said, we'd call that the planchette. And then asking the question, are there any communications? According to this account, quote, pretty soon you think the other person is pushing the table. He thinks you are doing the same. He told the reporter that the communication starts with the use of yes or no and then progresses to spelling out more detailed replies to questions. The only real difference in this description to the way a Ouija board functions today is that the users would look for where the legs of the table or the planchette landed on the board instead of having that clear window to see what letter centered in it. This created some confusion and people would have to re-ask questions because, of course, two legs could be touching letters at the same time. Uh, But the account reads, quote, some remarkable conversations have been carried on until men have become a measure superstitious about it. This AP article really sets out the whole life that the spirit board would have because it also offers some cautionary tales about its dangers. The interviewee mentions a man named Jack who became so distressed at his family's obsession with this talking board that he burned it. Allegedly, when the wife had it replaced and asked what happened to the first one, the new talking board spelled out, Jack burned it. This account mentions... Uh, valuable business information being communicated, and even the possibility that a person not touching the planchette could silently ask a question if two other people were touching it, and that the answer to that silent question would still be spelled out. This had become hugely popular in a lot of Ohio towns, and according to the write-up, it was replacing card games at parties as an amusement. 
Yeah, all of, all of the superstitious stuff, all of the, all of the, all of the functioning. But it, this article also mentions the bias with which people approach the board, although it doesn't call it that. Western Man merely says, quote, there are, of course, any number of nonsensical and irrelevant answers spelled out, but the workers pay little heed to them. If the answers are relevant, they talk it over with a superstitious awe. This entire thing that we've been discussing has so many ingredients about what the board was, what it could do, and how informative and or spooky it could be that if it hadn't come out several years before the commercial release of the Ouija, it would be easy to think it was sort of a 19th century viral ad campaign in the style of the Blair Witch Project. So in just a minute, we'll be talking about a talking board that made its way to the White House. But first, we will pause for a sponsor break. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day, seriously. 
It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if everyone's being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. In the second half of 1886, that was the year that article we mentioned in the first section appeared, the New York Times ran a very brief but really interesting note under the headline, The President's Witchboard. It turns out that when Grover Cleveland got married, the Lemonster, Massachusetts company, W.S. Reed Toy and Manufacturing, sent him what the company called a witchboard as a wedding gift. The president's response was all that was included in the Times blurb with the header of Executive Mansion, Washington, June 12, 1886. It reads, quote, Dear Sir, I acknowledge with thanks the witchboard you sent me as a wedding present. I accept it as an evidence of kind feeling and friendship and can admire it for its ingenuity. But I hardly think that I shall immediately test its power to, quote, disclose the past and foretell the future. Yours very truly, Grover Cleveland. So that date is important. It is an account of a company making a witch board for a president in 1886. As we look at the rise of the Ouija board, it's notable that this one predated it. But it's not clear if this was a product that was intended for a short run of production or whether it was some kind of prototype or one-off. We do know that W.S. Reed did not start offering the talking boards widely to consumers until a few years after that. So this leads us to the point that there are varying stories of the invention of the Ouija board. Many, even among a very small group of men who were part of the first big manufacture and marketing push, the story varies and it has changed over the years. Now, some of that is probably just a matter of memory failure, but some of it was due to legal disputes and various stakeholders trying to ensure the story that circulated supported their claims. That AP article that we were talking about earlier was seen by Charles Kennard, or it probably was. He was certainly aware of the growing interest in talking boards. Kennard was a businessman who was born in Delaware in 1857, and he'd made an early fortune by developing a fertilizer made from bone meal that was rich in phosphate. But then Kennard and his partner, Henry Clay Chase, kind of faltered in their fertilizer business. That was a very competitive industry. Other problems like drought had impacted their production, and they lost the plant. 
Kennard moved to Baltimore, Maryland to start over once more in fertilizer. The change in market really didn't help his efforts, though, so soon he turned from fertilizer to real estate, which was more successful. The address of his Baltimore fertilizer factory would become important to the Weegis story. It was the address he used to form the company that he would use to manufacture them. That company, which was exclusively intended to make and sell what would become Ouija boards, was the Kennard Novelty Company that was started in 1890 by Charles Kennard and four other businessmen. So it was Kennard, Colonel Washington Bowie, Harry Wells Rusk, John F. Green, and William H.A. Maupin. To be clear, no one involved with the Kennard Novelty Company was a spiritualist. They were businessmen who saw interest in a product that they thought they could capitalize on. There was another person in the mix early on who did not become a part of Kennard Novelty. That was E.C. Reich, who made his living building cabinets and coffins. During a period before Kennard opened his business in Baltimore, he was in Chestertown, Maryland, and had an office right next to Reich. And Kennard is said to have described these talking boards that he had heard about. He asked Reich to make some. This would lead to Reich later claiming that he was the inventor of the Ouija board and that Kennard had taken it from him and started his business Kennard did sell the boards in Chestertown for a few years, immediately following that 1886 article, but he clearly had a larger vision for the scope of his sales efforts. Another important figure in the mix was a man named Elijah Bond. Kennard met Bond, who was a lawyer after he moved to Baltimore, and it was Bond who applied for the first patent on the Ouija board. Bond's sister-in-law was instrumental in securing that patent and for naming the board. You've probably read, or maybe worked out for yourself, that the word Ouija is a combination of the French and German words for yes, we and ja. That may be true, but the lore for the name's origin, as given by Canard Novelty, was very much different. According to their story, the board named itself with the help of a medium, and that medium just so happened to be Elijah Bond's sister-in-law, a woman named Helen Peters. According to the publicized story, the group held a sort of seance with Helen leading it, and they asked the board what to call it. It's spelled out O-U-I-J-A. When asked for a meaning to the word, the board told the assembled group that it meant good luck. But there is a second version of that story that is not so mystical, and it may just involve bad eyesight. According to notes that were exchanged among those businessmen, Helen Peters was wearing a locket with a woman's picture in it, which had the word Ouija over her image. A Smithsonian article from 2013 by Linda Rodriguez-McRobbie suggests that this actually could have been a portrait of the woman known as Ouida, which was the pen name of English novelist Maria Louise Ramey. Ramey would have been alive when the Ouija board was named, and she would have been in her early 60s. So it's possible, because she was also, um, you know, a pretty outspoken feminist, and a lot of women really followed her story. So it's certainly possible Helen Peters had her picture in a locket. Whether or not Helen Peters really tried to channel spirits to name the board, that'll probably remain a mystery, but she was present at a demonstration of the Ouija board at the U.S. Patent Office. 
This would have been a really unusual patent filing because how do you prove that a printed board with a planchette is capable of channeling messages from the spirit realm? According to family lore, when Elijah Bond and Helen Peters went to the patent office, the clerk they spoke with was worried that he'd become a laughingstock if he issued a patent on their application. So to prove that the board worked, the investigating patent officer asked that Bond and Peters use it to spell out his first name. They did successfully. The clerk was allegedly a little shaken, and Bond received the patent on February 10th of 1891. But it's worth noting here that Bond was a patent attorney. He probably knew everyone in the patent office, or he would have been able to acquire such information pretty easily. Something that's interesting, though, is if you read the text of the patent, it does not really give any mention of channeling spirits. It mentions questions being answered by the board, but it gives no explanation of how that takes place. The patent summary reads, quote, My invention relates to improvements in toys or games, which I designate as an Ouija or Egyptian luck board. And the objects of the invention are to produce a toy or game by which two or more persons can amuse themselves by asking questions of any kind and having them answered by the device used and operated by the touch of hand so that the answers are designated by letters on the board. The invention consists of a board of suitable thickness, having the letters of the alphabet printed, painted, engraved, or affixed upon it in any suitable manner, but flush with the surface, and also the numerals from one to zero, inclusive as well as other configurations, and in conjunction therewith of a peculiarly shaped table, having legs and a pointer, and said table operated by the hand when placed upon said board, all of which will be more fully described here and after and specifically pointed out in the claims, reference being had to the accompanying drawings and the letters marked thereon. It's an interesting patent because there's no, here's how this works. It's just like, I invented two things. They go together. Stuff happens. (laughs) But there's nowhere in the patent, even when you read like into the, the deeper discussion and details, is there... Here's how it works. Um, You can see why this would have been a tricky one. But once that patent was secured, Bond assigned it to Charles Kennard and William H. Maupin. They then sold the patent to the Kennard Novelty Company, which applied for a trademark on the name Ouija. Although the company bore his name, Kennard was the general manager. He wasn't the president. Harry Wells Rusk was president. That's because he had more experience in that type of thing. Colonel Washington Bowie was the treasurer, and he also held a controlling interest in the company, having provided more of the capital than anyone else. We're going to talk about Colonel Bowie a bit more in just a moment after we hear from the sponsors that keep Stuff You Missed in History Class going. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs, and if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the 
the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day, seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if everyone's being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Washington Bowie III was born into a wealthy family. He was well-educated. He had become a prominent customs figure with an appointment to the role of acting surveyor of the Port of Baltimore, a role he was appointed to by President William McKinley. When Bowie and his four colleagues founded the Canard Novelty Company, there was a point in their incorporation papers that would become really significant. 
5.5 of those papers stated, quote, we do further certify that the said corporation will be managed by five directors and that Harry Wells Rusk, Charles W. Kennard, William H. A. Maupin, Washington Bowie, and John F. Green are the names of the directors who will manage the concerns of the said corporation for the first year. We're mentioning that here because it is going to come back up in just a moment. Ouija boards started appearing in newspaper advertisements in 1891. That timing is not surprising. It's right when spiritualism was having a major surge in the U.S., and the advertising really played on that. For example, one ad read, Ouija, the Egyptian luck board, a talking board. The Ouija is without doubt the most interesting, remarkable, and mysterious production of the 19th century. Its operations are always interesting and frequently invaluable, answering as it does questions concerning the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy. It furnishes never-failing amusement and recreation for all classes, while for the scientific or thoughtful, its mysterious movements invite the most careful research and investigation, apparently forming the link which unites the known with the unknown, the material with the immaterial, It forces upon us the conviction that great truth was contained in the statement of the Danish prince. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than were ever dreamed of in thy philosophy. Although the Ouija board may have caused some to fear it, uh, it was really kind of seen as a harmless pastime right from its introduction. In a society column in the Denton Journal of Denton, Maryland, on January 31st, 1891, one of the entries casually mentions the board right alongside other innocuous games. Quote, Ouija, cards, tiddlywinks, and a delightful repast were the features of the entertainment given the Thursday evening sociable by Mr. and Mrs. G.A. DeKine this week. A week before that, there was another mention, this time in the Catoctin Clarion of Mechanicstown, Maryland, that ran an opinion piece titled The Ouija Craze. The brief write-up called it the latest fad and made it clear that in the opinion of the writer, only people who were prone to superstitious behavior would take it seriously. That article goes on to say, quote, it is in its way a most convincing proof of the existence of a vein of superstition more or less potent to control belief in every human. It mentions that there are two Ouija boards in the town and that while reports are flooding in about the, quote, marvelous answers that people are getting through them, the writer is doubtful. It concludes with, quote, at our first opportunity, these questions will be asked, and should the answers astound us, we will honestly confess it. For the present, we doubt. Both this and the previous Society column piece ran before Canard Novelty had their patent. Yeah, it seems like they probably had made these boards and given them to people in society that they knew, because these were all businessmen to play with, and that, like, kind of drove their early word-of-mouth advertising. There is an element in the multifaceted marketing identity of the Ouija board that offers an interesting case study in the crossover of business and spiritualism. Because the board was marketed both as an amusement or a toy, as well as an object that just might connect people with the afterlife or the spirit realm, the net was cast really, really wide to catch all kinds of different levels of interest in such a thing. People who believed in spiritualism wanted them. 
People who thought it would just be a fun parlor game wanted them, and kids wanted them. Some mediums started using them, but there were plenty who did not appreciate the fact that a DIY seance tool had been made available to the masses, thus cutting into their business. We mentioned in our recent episode on Rose Mackenberg that she had warned people that the number of people fraudulently claiming to be psychics jumped up in times when there was panic and war and economic uncertainty. The same holds true for sales of Ouija boards. So in times following some kind of social crisis, sales would rise. The Ouija board had a great success right out of the gate, In 1892, demand was already outpacing production, so a second factory had to be opened, and then more. The company opened up factories in New York, Chicago, and London, in addition to the two in Baltimore. But there was another big change for Canard Novelty Company in 1892. A huge change in leadership, in structure, and in name. Bowie and Rusk reorganized the entire company, and in the process, they pushed out the other three founders. That meant that Charles Kennard, for whom it was named, was no longer part of the organization. But it also didn't stay Kennard novelty for very long, because Bowie and Rusk also changed the name of the company to Ouija Novelty Company, and they moved it out of the offices that Kennard had established at 220 South Charles Street to a new location. It almost seems that Bowie, who had the controlling interest because of his larger financial contribution to the startup, had had a plan in mind all along to take over the company completely. Thus, our mention of that, we're going to run it together for one year clause. (laughs) But perhaps the most significant change was that they put a man named William Fold into the position of head of operations. William Fold had been part of the early Kennard Novelty Company team. He was hired as an employee and also became a stockholder. He was also good friends with Bowie and Rusk. He and Bowie were particularly close, and this friendship would lead to a lot of opportunities for Fold. William Fold, who was born in 1870, was said to have been imaginative and inventive from the very beginning of his life. As a kid, he made up games to entertain his nine siblings. So it seems sort of right that he landed a job at a company that made what many people considered to be a game. He got his first job at the company as a shop foreman, according to one report. Others list him as a varnisher. Some other accounts kind of combine those two and say, like, yes, he was doing uh, things like varnishing, but he was also overseeing other people in the shop. But in any case, it definitely was a massive jump up the ladder to suddenly be named general manager. Once he moved into a leadership position at Ouija Novelty Company, Fold started filing more patent applications, making improvements to the Ouija board. Ultimately, he'd file several patent and trademark applications, all of them as a means to protect the company's legal interests. Five years into Fold's tenure running the company, things once again shifted significantly. So up to that point, Colonel Washington Bowie and Harry Wells Rusk were still involved in the day-to-day operations of the company. But they were both ready to retire, although they didn't really want to give up that really nice revenue stream that they got from Ouija board. So the Ouija Novelty Company assigned its assets to Bowie and Rusk proportionate to their holdings of the company. That meant that 83% went to Bowie and the remainder to Rusk. And Fold opened up the Ouija board to licensees approved by the Ouija Novelty Company. One of those licensees was William Fold. Really, it was William Fold and his brother Isaac Fold under a company named Isaac Fold and Brother. 
Their license was agreed to in July of 1898 and had a term of three years. William and Isaac manufactured Ouija boards as well as other novelties during that time, but when the three-year term ended, William's next move just destroyed his relationship with his brother. Isaac Fold and brother were not given the option to continue to manufacture Ouija boards, but the Ouija Novelty Company did enter into a new licensing agreement, this time with William Fold only, excluding Isaac. There's a little bit of a chicken or the egg situation here because we don't know if William and Isaac had a falling out that led to this business decision or if the business decision was a betrayal that rendered their relationship as brothers irreparable. We're gonna get into what happened (laughs) after all of this uh, in our next episode, in in part two of this two-part episode. There is a lot more coming. Like I said at the top, we will also talk about uh, some court cases involving Ouija boards, some pop culture references to Ouija boards, and some psychology of it, as well as more corporate intrigue on the next one. But in the meantime, I have a little brief listener mail. This is from our listener EJ, and it is about our Ouija episode, which I mentioned at the top of this episode. I have been saving it for when we finally got to Ouija boards, uh, just to have a little nice bookender. So this is a brief email. It says, hi, my name is EJ, and I love your podcast. I listen to it every week. I wanted to write and tell you about Wednesday's episode about Ouija. I had one of the craziest days of my life this Wednesday, and I got into the car after work crying. I'm sorry, I have been there. It's a really terrible feeling. Uh, But EJ says, my mood turned around when I turned on your podcast and it was about my favorite photographer of all time. No one knows about him and I love to hear people talking about his unique work. It was a glimmer of good in what seemed like an awful day. Thank you for giving me that little bit of joy. Another thing about Ouija that many people don't know is that they suspected that he had mob connections. He would show up minutes after mob hits and would say it was because of the police scanner, but a lot believed he was tied into the mob. I thought that was a cool fact that not many people know about. Thank you for giving me this podcast to listen to each week, EJ. EJ, one, I'm so sorry you had a bad day. Two, I'm so thankful we could help in our small way uh, and turn it around a little bit. Three, I had heard that that mob connection thing, but I could never find anything beyond sort of rumory stuff about it, so I didn't include it in the episode, but it sure makes sense, given that he did, as you said, show up right as things seemed to be happening, uh, and I, well before the police. We did mention he got to a lot of crime scenes before the police did, which seemed a little, uh, I don't know if suspicious is the right word, but a little confusing. That is, after all, how he got his name. Ouija because they joked that he was psychic. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm glad, like I said, that, that we could help make a, a bad day a little bit better. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can do so at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. You can also find us on social media as Missed in History. And if you would like to subscribe to the podcast and you haven't gotten around to it yet, it is the easiest thing in the world, I promise. Uh, you can do that on the iHeartRadio app or anywhere else you listen to your favorite shows. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.